0: Hi everybody! Welcome to episode four hundred and seventy-four of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by OverDrive. This is Adam, joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. It's it's very gloomy out. I feel like this is a good. Feels like fall. Feels like fall.
1: I lit a candle.
0: Ooh, what, what's the what's the scent?
1: I think it's like vanilla cake, buttercream, something. I don't oh, remember.
0: Fabulous. So it's not like
1: a fall fall candle.
0: Yeah. But. There is some comedian, I don't remember if it was um, Mitch Hedberg or somebody that says something about, like, sometimes I like the candle like with a scent like that so that people can walk into my house and have false hopes.
1: Mm-hmm. So they
0: think you're baking. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, it does feel like fall, which is good because we're talking about September books today.
1: Yeah, we are. Yeah.
0: Um, so if you happen to be new, I feel like over the past couple of months, it's become like anytime I tweet out that we're recording this, we get a lot of people like excited about it. I guess it's become... For a thing that, that you randomly decided we should do one time a few years ago, because we had nothing to talk about, this has become our uh, our biggest episode of the month. So we are going to go back and forth and preview the books that Jill and I are most excited about that are coming out in September. Just crazy that we're doing it. It's already almost September. Yep. Um, we will put all of the links in the show notes so you don't have to worry about writing any of them down. Uh, also, every month, if you go to professionalbookers.com and click um the about us page there's the whole collection there too it automatically populates which is cool um we don't tell each other our lists so it's, it's sometimes we have crossover but i pretty good lately um
1: there were a lot of books where i was like i can't put that on my list because adam is going to so
0: well like there
1: was like a very adam month i, I have
0: a lot of books i won't lie i have like 13 or four i probably won't get to all my books just okay. in yeah. the list anyway um but yeah, there, this was a very out of month. You're absolutely right. Um, but there's, there's definitely some that I would no, no for sure about. Uh, but before we get to those, do you want to people how they can get a hold of us in case they want they have feedback or any of that jazz?
1: Sure. You can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. We are on um, Instagram and Twitter at ProBookNerds. And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com.
0: Yes, you can. Also, if you go to a shop there's a bunch of really fun Libby stuff. And there's some professional book nerd stuff that's there as well. And um, hopefully, maybe by the time this goes up, but if not, this week, we have masks. We have Libby masks now, which are very nice. I literally was just talking about, um, so if you want to get those too. Just so soap bananas that
1: we have. I, I know.
0: <laughs> I know. That's crazy. 2020. Have? 2020. Yeah. If you did, told me at the beginning of the year, like, hey, Adam, one of your jobs this year, the company is going to be helped launch this like apparel shop. Oh, also, in the fall, you're going to be releasing masks so that people can safely breathe outside.
1: I have this on my Twitter, and it's only going to make sense to fans of Doctor Who, but um, my friend Alexa and I are big fans of Doctor Who and um, Sherlock, and they had both of the showrunners, Stephen Moffat, and he makes questionable choices in some of his television shows, and so whenever we're rewatching them or when... You know, we were watching them when he was still a showrunner. Um, In real time, we would just, like, text each other in big capital letters, Moffat, Just out of, like, frustration and anger in 2020, just feels like one big MOFFET.
0: That is...
1: (laughs) It's only going to make sense to Doctor Who fans, but...
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Oh, I love this so much. (laughs) Bonjour. Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. Uh, okay, well, so how many books do you have, by the way?
1: I think I have nine.
0: Okay. Well, I'll, some of mine will be pretty short descriptions because either the person is going to be on the podcast or it's just pretty straightforward about... What yeah, I have
1: two like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, well, I'll start things. I think I have this. Okay. Yeah, I have 11. Uh, so my first one is The Evening in the Morning by Ken Follett, which I may have mentioned briefly at some point um, over the past couple of weeks, but Ken Follett wrote, he's written a ton of books, but the Pillars of the Earth series is my personal favorite and um, that first book, the first book, the Pillars of the Earth specifically, is just one of my favorite books ever and uh, this is going to be a prequel to that so Pillars of the Earth is a story basically of a cathedral getting built and the people who were involved in that. So the church and the builders themselves and the people in the town of Kingsbridge. Um, And there's good and evil and a lot of his books have to do with like um, there can be good people who aren't religious and there can be horrible people who are religious and all sorts of stuff about interesting things. So this one is a prequel and it's set in the dawn of the Middle Ages. It's in 997 CE. But um he'll be on the podcast later this month I was all excited about this book coming out our friend Hugo who we love at Penguin Random House like helped he was working on getting me an advanced reader copy of it digitally and then we got an email from another friend at Penguin Random House that was like do you want to interview Ken Follett and I was like do I ever this is perfect timing so but just to give you an idea of how long the book is the um the advanced reader copy is digital that they sent me and it's a pdf and it's like 997 (laughs) pages so uh, Ken Follett writes a very long book, so just buckle up if this is your first experience with him. But yeah, that's uh, The Evening and the Morning by Ken Follett.
1: Um, my first one. Oh, man, y'all. Uh, so if you listened to our um, episode at the end of December where we talked about our best books of the year and our best books of the decade, um, I said that yeah, Jesse's Homegoing was my favorite book of the entire um, the like 2010s. She's a new one coming out um called transcendent kingdom and i got to interview her at pla and i totally fangirled Mm -hmm. um just so you know (laughs) um and actually our friend hugo sat in on that interview i don't think he's ever sat in on an interview before but i think knowing that i was such a big fan yeah love you jesse he wanted to come hang out with us so sure so, Transcendent Kingdom um, is about Gifty. She is a PhD student in neuroscience where she is studying um, reward seeking behavior in mice. Um, her brother had previously died of a heroin, heroin overdose after he got hooked on Oxycontin, and her mom is depressed and suicidal and living with uh, Gifty. And, you know, is part of her study. She's trying to sort of figure out you know where um in terms of reward seeking behavior how it sort of left her brother in this position where he was addicted to heroin and she's dealing with science and her mom comes from a, a very religious background and sort of that mix it's it's so good um yaw is delightful she will be on the podcast in a couple of weeks um and i'm i'm very excited for this one um uh you you talked about last
0: month how we do a lot of interviews separately and usually we're both like pretty chill about like who the other ones interviewing and then there's every once in a while one of us will kind of get like oh man like I really wish I was a part of that interview this was one where because you did talk about um homegoing when we you know when we started or ended the year last year and then we actually did the thing where like I said my favorite was The Starless Sea and you said yours was going. and then we like flip-flopped and both read the other book and we were both like oh my god that is a great book yeah but this was one of those where when you told me that you were gonna get to interview her it was more so I was just like so excited for you I was like oh man yeah that's I'm so happy for Joe that you get to do that
1: (laughs) and was this the email that came in over the weekend or on a day I was off I think he came in on a day I was off and you texted me and you're like, I'm really sorry about e- like texting you on your day. Yeah. But there's this email and you should go look at yeah. it.
0: <laughs> I didn't even tell you what it was. And then you responded. Like, I don't think you yeah.
1: did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. That was so awesome. I'm so excited. Awesome. <laughs> um, okay. So my next one is a deadly education by Naomi Navik, who was on the podcast a while back talking about dark, da- uh, dark fairy tales. But, I know very little about this book other than the fact that it is a dark school of magic, and there's an unwilling like dark sorceress who is destined to rewrite all these rules of magic. I stopped reading it after like the very first part of the introduction because it's a dark magical school and it's written by Naomi Novik or sorry Naomi Novik and um we talked about it before. If you are someone who is very hurt and offended by all the things j k. Uh, Rowling is doing lately all of her terrible stuff, but you miss the magical school element. Uh, Naomi is a nice, safe place to go for an incredible book. She writes, uh, her book's Uprooted and *Spinning Silver, just two of the best, like, dark fairy tales I've ever read. I love everything that she does. And this looks to be the beginning of a series, which is very exciting because she doesn't do that too often. So, yeah, just, that's all I know. It's A Dark Magical School, and it's by Naomi Navik, so I'm going to dive all into this. That's A Deadly Education.
1: My next one is before she was Helen by Caroline B. Cooney. Um, if you are like me, a late 30 something woman, you probably read Caroline's book, the face on the milk carton way back in the day. And, um, she now has a mystery for adults, which is fantastic. Um, so this is about Clemmy. Clemmy goes uh, next door to check on her neighbor, and he isn't there. But while she's there, she sees something else in his apartment that's or his house that's just like really beautiful. She takes a photo, um, and forwards it, and it gets like forwarded everywhere, and it becomes this whole thing. And then there's a body found in the house and it's in a place where she wasn't supposed to be and her fingerprints are everywhere and she's like led this like super quiet little life in the suburbs and now everything's like not like that. Um and <laughs> um so uh yeah so I love Caroline Bikuni. I got to interview her also at PLA so that interview will be coming up. She's publishing with source books which is so exciting. Um and she, she is delightful she's a delightful human being um she's really wonderful so I don't want to talk too much about it because we talk about it in our interview um but yeah that's before she was Helen yeah
0: um my next one you might have this one but if because it feels a little like both of us Piranesi by Susanna Clark I did I did okay We'll say what you have more or I have more than you so I'll put, you can talk about that one no I mean we can sign it ah, it's okay Sorry, I, I, no, so we'll come back to it, we'll come back to it. Um, so, okay, The Ghost Tree by Christina Henry. Christina's also gonna be on the podcast, just realized that and I put those, those on the list. Um, I don't wanna talk too much about the plot of this book because I think I got into this maybe recently, but like to say too much about this book, it feels like it's every little bit as a spoiler, but all I will say, the way that I described it to uh, our buddy Mallory from Reading Glasses, who we were talking about this book, um, it feels a lot like the town of Derry from It, uh, in the sense that like the town that this story takes place in is very much a character. So it's like this town where things happen, where like really really dark things happen to kids. You know, they, there's murders that happen that people tend to forget about, and, and it's literally like I, I got really strong Stephen King vibes with that particular part. But there's every single chapter is written from a different person's perspective. It kind of like rotates through a bunch of people so you get a whole perspective of all the people in the town both young and old and the different ways but there's like dark magic going on there is like a ghost story going on here there's um there's like kind of fairy tale-ish lore about some like witches and things um and it's the story of a couple of girls and how they're experiencing this and how they're also kind of coming of age but it's also the story of a town and just There's so much in here. Um, If you are a fan, Christina Henry writes, she's also written a lot of like kind of dark retellings in our podcast interview. We talk about those and how she kind of hates when people just assume that because you're retelling a story that it's like easier than coming up with something completely from scratch. And it's a really good conversation, but the book is, I will say it's very, it's very heavy horror. It's very creepy and um, there's some pretty intense scenes in it. It's definitely not young adult. Just as a just hard hard horror, Uh, but it's yeah it's it's really good. It's super dark, um, but fantastic. It's perfect for a day like today where it's spooky outside. So that's the Ghost Tree by Christina Henry.
1: So my next one is Piranesi by Susanna Clark (laughs) Funny story about this one. Well, actually, I had two funny stories. Well, anyway, okay. So yesterday I was scrolling through, looking at books, and I saw this book, and I saw her name. I was like, why is that name? sound super familiar. Um, and I did not click into it then. And then um today I was going back to make sure I didn't miss anything and it occurred to me who Susanna Clark was. So she wrote um Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, which I don't think I try not to do this on the podcast too often, but I could not finish this book. We talked
0: about this. This yeah, came up at some Jonathan point. Jonathan
1: Strange and Mr. Norrell, yeah. Um But this sounds so good, and so I will give it a chance. Because I liked the writing of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. I just, the story was not working for me, but that's personal opinion. Anyway, so um, Piranesi's house is no ordinary building. Its rooms are infinite, its corridors endless, its walls are lined with thousands upon thousands of statues, each one different from all the others. Within the labyrinth of halls, an ocean is imprisoned. Waves thunder up staircases. Rooms are flooded in an instant. Piranesi is not afraid. He understands the tides as he understands the pattern of the labyrinth himself. He lives to explore the house. There's one other person in the house, a man called the Other, who visits Piranesi twice a week and asks for help with research into a great and secret knowledge. All capital letters to make it super mm-hmm. fancy, so you are aware. But as Pierresi explores, evidence emerges of another person, and a terrible truth begins to unravel, revealing a world beyond the one Pierresi has always known. This sounds amazing. Who doesn't love labyrinths?
0: I know. I was I when I read the description. I was getting big like Starless Sea or Ten Thousand Doors of yes. January yeah. vibes. Also, it's a, I think like the end of the description says, for fans of Neil Gaiman's Ocean the Lane and Madeline Miller's CRC, it's like, yeah. oh, this book is perfect.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm very excited.
0: Also, we, t- we talked about this in the past, too. I, sometimes we forget who's been on the podcast and who hasn't been, like, authors. I was certain she'd been on the podcast before, and she has not.
1: No, I she has not.
0: I don't know why I thought that. I have no idea, and obviously I was wrong. Um, but yeah, that ugh, Piranesi looks fabulous. Uh, okay, my next one is Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. Uh, this is a young adult paranormal debut, and it's the story of a trans boy who is determined to prove his gender to his traditional Latinx family, and he summons a ghost who refuses to leave. Uh, so the main character's name is Yadriel, who summons this ghost, and he can't get rid of him. Uh, his family has problems accepting who he is, and Yadriel becomes determined to... Show that he's a real brujo. And uh, with the help of his cousin and best friend, he performs this ritual and sets out to find the ghost of his murdered cousin and set it free. Um, but the ghost that he actually summons is named Julian Diaz, who was the school's resident bad boy. And uh, Julian is not able, uh, Julian is not about to go quietly into his death. And so it's this kind of it's this story about them dealing with all of those problems, but it's also kind of a coming of age story. Uh, and it's all about LGBTQ plus acceptance. Um, but there's also stuff in here about like racism and deportation and colonization. There's a lot going on here and it's getting a whole bunch of buzz. Um, I'm extremely excited about it. And the cover is fabulous. That's cemetery boys by Aiden Thomas.
1: My next one is the line life of adults by, um, oh my God, I think it's Elena, Elena, might be Elena Ferrante. She wrote my brilliant friend, um, And so she has a new one coming out. So this is about um, Giovanna. She is getting older and her pretty face is changing, turning ugly, or at least that's what her father thinks. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, Giovanna, he says, looks more like her Aunt Vittoria every day. And, you know, is she turning into this woman, a woman she hardly knows, but whom her mother and father clearly despise? So, Giovanna goes in search of for her reflection in two kindred cities that fear and detest one another. Naples of the Heights, which assumes a mask of refinement, and Naples of the Death, uh, a place of excess and vulgarity. She moves from one to the other in search of the truth, but never seems to offer um, answers or escapes. So, Fronte has become one of the most well-regarded, well-established authors um, and her book has been like, this book has been on like the most anticipated book of 2020 of like all the lists, like all of the lists. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you read my brilliant friend and loved that series, she's got a new one. Nice.
0: Uh, my next one is called Eat a Peach by David Chang. Uh, David Chang is the chef behind Momofuku. Um, he's also, if you're a Netflix fan, he's the star of the sh- the show Ugly Delicious. Um, I love David Chang's writing. I love his food, but I don't get a chance to go to places like Momofuku very often here in Cleveland. Um, but there's also like milk bar and also literally he is all over New York City and Los Angeles and all sorts of other places now. But, um, he, David Chang originally started out, he was from a deeply religious family, a Korean American family in Virginia and had like no really cooking background. And after graduating, he went to Japan and was teaching English and then kind of had like a manic panic attack. Um, and he started thinking about food and just kind of came back. And this is his memoir about how he came back and founded Momofuko and how that like little tiny place where he served ramen in the East Village turned into like a multi-billion dollar industry for him now. And um, the thing I really like about David Chang is he's, you know, there's a lot of writers who... A lot of, like, food critics who will only talk about, like, extremely high-end places. Uh, David Chang reminds me a lot of Anthony Bourdain. Like, Mm -hmm. David Chang will release an article in the New York Times about a brand-new five-star, you know, like, like, two Michelin-star restaurant. And then the next thing he'll write will be, like, on the Ringer or somewhere else. And it'll be about a hot dog stand and a greasy spoon diner where he got, like, the best, you know, like, pork belly of his life in Chicago. And he just – it's – he understands that food can be – Come in all different shapes and sizes, and it can be a $500 meal or it can be a $2 meal, and it can still be incredible. So, just a really, really thoughtful person when it comes to food. Um, And I'm really excited about this. Let's Eat a Peach by David Chang.
1: My next one is His Only Wife by Peace Ad Zomedi. So this is about Afi. She's a young seamstress in Ghana. She is smart and she's pretty and she has been convinced by her mother to marry a man she does not know. Um, Afi knows who he is. He's a wealthy businessman whose mother has chosen her and um, hopes that she will distract, she will distract uh, her husband from his relationship with a woman his family claims is inappropriate. But Afi is not prepared for the shift her life takes when she has moved from her small hometown to live in Ghana's gleaming capital, a place of wealth and sophistication where she has days of nothing to do but cook meals for a man who may or may not show up to eat them. She has agreed to this marriage in order to give her mother the financial security she desperately needs, and so she must see it through. Or maybe not. So, um, this Kirkus and their starred review said this is like crazy rich Asians for West Africa. That's awesome. Which is, yeah. So that's his only wife.
0: Uh, my next one is called Punching the Air by E.B. Zaboy and Yusuf Salam. Uh, this is the story of a young 16 year old who gets wrongfully imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. Um, and just to give you guys some background, um, E.B. Boy is a National Book Award finalist, and Yusuf Salaam is a prison reform activist um, of the Exonerated Five. So this is a young adult novel, but it's written in verse, which I love. I it, That's one of those things where like Jason Reynolds has done it, and Kwame Alexander has done it, and uh, Elizabeth Acevedo has done it, and it's one of those things where like sometimes you see a story, and you're like, oh, I could see where they came up with that story. <laughs> but then they write it in verse, and you're like, oh, you just basically made a 300 page book that feels impossible and you made it beautiful and perfect um and so not only is it the story of this 16 year old who gets wrongfully imprisoned but it's also um the story of them trying to figure out what they can do with their lives and if they are able to how they deal with like the despair and rage and feeling helpless in prison um and what they can do about it so that um, just sounds beautiful. I listened to a little bit of the, the first couple chapters and it's just, it's phenomenal. So that's punching the
1: air. My next one is Daughters of the Wild by Natalka Burian. So this is about Joni. Joni lives in um, West Virginia with her foster siblings. They live on a farm tending a mysterious plant called a vine. The older girls are responsible for cultivating the vine by performing sacred rituals to make it grow. After Joni's arranged marriage goes horribly wrong, leaving her widowed and with a baby, she plots her escape with the help of her foster brother. But before they can get away, her baby goes missing, and Joni, desperate to find him, turns to the vine, understanding it to be far more powerful than her siblings realize. She begins performing generations-old rituals to summon the vine's power and goes on a perilous journey into the wild pushing the boundaries of her strength and sanity to bring her son home. This sounds so good. That sounds
0: amazing. Uh, so many the books this month. Oh. I know.
1: Well, these are all the books that were supposed to come out over the summer and got pushed.
0: That's such a good point. Yeah, it is. It's like... Um, I feel like a lot
1: of these were meant to come out a couple months ago.
0: (laughs) I think you're right. No, it's like I'm I'm a sports fan, and like obviously I missed sports like four years or for like four four years felt like four years, like four months, and now there's baseball, there's the basketball playoffs, there's hockey playoffs, and it's like all lumped in together. Same thing with books right now. It's like, well, buckle up September, October, November because it's about to be crazy. Pretty much. Uh, Speaking of things that I know our audience will love, the Left Handed Booksellers of London by Garth Nix. Did you have this one? i did not okay it feels like a very much like anyone who listens to our podcast or that we work with will like this uh ruth gave you give you like a brief description a girl's quest to find her father leads her to an extended family of magical fighting booksellers who police the mythical old world of england when it introduced uh when it intrudes on the modern world what yeah it's just i'm so oh my god so it's a slightly alternate london in 1983 And Susan is looking for her father, a man she never met. There's a crime boss named Frank uh, who might be able to help her, but Susan doesn't get to ask Frank any questions before he's turned to dust by the prick of a silver hat pin in the hands of an outrageously attractive Merlin. I'm going to stop right there. Merlin is a a bookseller, uh, one of the fighting ones. And then it it just sounds amazing. The cover is fantastic, but I was listening to reading glasses they had like a bonus episode where they're talking about books that they were excited about and they didn't talk about this but they said something about like there's something about readers and nerdy people who love stories about books Mm -hmm. and like it's i was like i felt like i was we were we felt i felt very seen in that moment Mm -hmm. and this is one of those so the left-handed booksellers of london just sounds fabulous
1: my next one actually fits that too and it's the book of hidden wonders by polly crosby so this is about romley she and her eccentric father have happened have lived happily um, but sheltered lives in a ramshackle mansion in the English countryside. Shut up. Yeah. I love a ramshackle mansion Um, to help end me. He creates an illustrated book with Romilly as the heroine with her cat Monty. The book becomes an instant, instant success and their estate is overrun with tourists and adventure seekers. After rumors spread that hidden within its pages is an elaborate treasure hunt. Oh God! You guys, (laughs) so as Romley gets older and her father writes more books, he starts disappearing within himself. She returns to her illustrations, returns to his illustrations, looking for a way to connect with her ailing father, and finds a series of clues he's left just for her. You kidding me? But this treasure hunt doesn't lead her to gold or precious stones, but something worth far more—a shocking secret that is crucial to understanding her family.
0: Was oh, that not the first book you talked about oh my god <laughs> This sounds amazing
1: how oh did god miss that? i don't know but i don't know how i missed the garth Nix one so it evens out um <sighs> do you remember there was a kids book series like 20 years ago that had a treasure hunt involved with it it's like <sighs> chapter books I can't remember. I'm sure our readers know what I'm talking about. So please email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com if you know what I'm talking about.
0: I, oh my goodness, I can't.
1: Yeah. I so. feel like if
0: someone said the name, I would, I, okay, can the rest of the year just like chill with book releases? Because I need to spend yeah like three months diving into the, everything that's coming out in September.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, my next one is called The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson. Speaking of things that are exciting for the fall, Stranger Things meets World War Z. Like, just ah, phenomenal descriptions on these books this month. Uh, A heart-racing conspiracy thriller um, where a lonely young woman teams up with a group of fellow outcasts to survive the night in a town overcome by a science experiment gone wrong. So there's going to be zombies. There is obviously scientists up to no good, it seems like. And it's just... This feels a little bit... um, like Chuck Wendig's The Wanderers or um, Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay, I think was Survivor Song. Um, there's a biotech lab where there's this aggressive murders that come out of and there's people trying to survive. Ah, just all these books. Sounds so good. So that's The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson.
1: I found it. I found it. What is so it? So there's a book series, um, or is The Secret is a Treasure Hunt, uh, Started in nineteen eighty-two. There were twelve treasure boxes buried at secret locations across the United States and Canada. So clues for each for where the treasures were buried are provided in a puzzle book named The Secret. And it was first published by Bantam in the eighties. As of August 2020, only three of the twelve boxes have been found. What?
0: Okay. Well as soon as I'm uh, allowed to travel again. That's so to
1: good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, okay, not related to anything. No, I mean, it's it, pretty is. Related. it is, but so there you go, you guys. Now I kind of want to read that book and start solving clues. That's awesome. Ah. Oh, now my internet doesn't want to open these book titles. Uh-oh. Do you
0: want me to do one while it, while it loads?
1: No. Okay. I got it. Okay. okay. My next one is Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. Thank you.
0: Had this on my list, so okay. I was just making sure we talked about it.
1: <laughs> Y'all. Um, so this book—the book sounds incredible. Um, so, this book is about um, Sawyer. He's the story's narrator, and from a review I found, it starts like this, or this is in the beginning. So, Shauna got a new job at the movie theater. We thought we'd play a fun prank on her, and now most of us are dead. And I'm really starting to feel kind of guilty about it all. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so good. <laughs> Yeah, so this is about a a prank um, gone wrong, and all hell broke loose. Is there a supernatural cause, a psychopath on the loose, or both?
0: (laughs) It sounds so good. I I saw that. (laughs) Uh, It's also one of those, like, it's just one of those names of a book where I'm like, oh, hell yeah, Night of the Manic. It's like Clown on the Cornfield, which I'm listening to now, which I talked about for last month. yeah. And, and also, it's Stephen Graham Jones, who um, he did The Only Good Indians, which came out recently, which was amazing. But yeah, Night of the Mannequins.
1: Night of the Mannequins. Yeah, it reminds me of that one horror movie that takes place in the mall that I can't remember with the weird robot things.
0: Um, well, I was thinking of the movie Mannequin, which is not a horror movie. Well,
1: also that, also that, <laughs> yes, of course. But no, there's some, I don't know, there's a horror movie that's set in the mall.
0: Uh, unrelated, but I had a girlfriend in high school who she loved, I don't remember what, um, which movie, oh, uh, Sounds of the Land, loved it. and recorded, love that movie too. Yeah, recorded it off of the TV, which was something that we used to have to do back in the day if you saw a movie or TV. Yeah, TV. it was. You would have to have a uh, VCR tape that you could tape over, and I remember she taped over Mannequin 2 <laughs> and her dad mm-hmm. was like annoyed and it made me laugh every time because every time we would go to watch who uh, we actually wanted to watch it would start like she didn't tape over the very beginning where it says like Mannequin 2 and then like Annabelle Lecter would show up and it would just like made me laugh every time so anytime I see the word mannequin I think of that so.
1: That's yeah
0: kind of um, okay my next one is called It Will Just Be Us by Joe Kaplan uh, this is gothic horror novel I'm like you need like a gothic horror novel alert just to look like mm-hmm. the, um, this comes up so there's two sisters and a haunted house that never sleeps uh, and it says it's perfect for fans of we have always lived in the castle which i'm very much a fan of uh so they say that there's a door in wakefield that never opens sam wakefield's ancestral home a decaying mansion built on the edge of a swamp isn't a place for children it's a la- with its labyrinthine halls built by her mad ancestors Uh, that are filled with echoes of the past ghosts and memories knotted together as one in the presence of phantoms it's all sam can do to disentangle past from the present in her daily life it's a gothic home that seems to be alive and it sounds like there might be some sort of unreliable narrator situation going on sign me up i'm very excited that's all i really needed to know so that's it will just be us by joe kaplan
1: my next one is, or my last one <clears throat> is And Now She's Gone by Rachel Housel Hall. So this is um, a it's a cat and mouse game, which I always love. So Isabel Lincoln is gone, but is she missing? So it's up to Grayson to find her, although she is reluctant to track down a woman who may not want to be found. Ray's search for Isabel becomes more complicated and dangerous with every new revelation about the woman's secrets and the truth she's hidden from her friends and family. That sounds delightful. You interviewed. I did Rachel Howes Hall a while back, I think. A while back, yeah. Yeah, I did indeed.
0: Yeah, that was one of them that I was like,
1: "I <laughs> think I am right." Yep.
0: Uh, okay, I also my last one because we had a couple of the lap which worked out well. Uh, Fable by Adrian Young. It's the beginning of a young adult, I think, trilogy. Um, But it's called Fable, which I'm obviously, I like honestly was going to, and the cover is really, really like gorgeous. So I almost didn't read anything about it before I put it in. Um, But it is uh, a... Fantasy that I believe is set on a sea. So, as the daughter of the most powerful trader in the Narrows, the sea is the only home seventeen-year-old Fable has ever known. It's been four years since the night she watched her mother drown during an unforgiving storm. Uh, the next day, her father abandoned her on a legendary island filled with thieves and little food. To survive, she must keep herself. She must keep to herself, learn to trust no one, and rely on the unique skills that her mother taught her. So it very much sounds almost like a Hunger Games type of a situation mm-hmm. too um i also love the name fable i think i'm gonna name like a dog or something fable
1: oh this is the one with the red head on the cover isn't yeah, it it's yeah it's like, a very striking cover very yes.
0: striking and i've actually known her other books if you look at adrian young's other books um she's one of those people where you talked about it recently on a different episode where there's some authors where like they have a specific look about their books which is pretty cool when it Publisher will do that for them. And like she Susanna has,
1: Clarks is like that.
0: Yeah, Susanna Clark's
1: are like that. Yeah, um, like her second book, and I was like, oh, it looks. Oh, she's already got a style. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And, and,
0: it, and I don't know if Adrian like was a self-pubbed early on, but like some of her other books have a lot of the same look. I and mean, actually, they already have a cover for her the second book in this series that comes out in 2021, and it's like the same thing, like this like striking redhead with like freckles, and it's like a very it's almost like you would see those um, iPhone commercials where they do like the super high mm-hmm. resolution pictures of people. Um, yeah, that's called so that's Fable by Adrian Young. It sounds really really fun. I'm excited about that as well. Do you remember the video game Fable? I don't think so. So that was um, it was like one of the last video games I played. I stopped playing video games which I missed because I, all I want to do right now is play Pokemon. Um, Didn't you get a Switch? No, I never got a Switch. I don't want to oh. talk about it. It's very upsetting. <laughs> we talked about it and then they were sold out and now I feel like I'm just like reading all the time so that's okay. But no, Fable was one of those games where like all of the cho- it was an open world game where all the choices you made determined if your character was good or evil. Um, but it's nice. set in like a world of Fables so there's like magic and you, you know you go and like Barter for different things. This is really fun. And I think there's a new one coming out, but I don't have time to play video games right now, which is sad. <sighs> anyway, uh, okay, those are all yours too, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I, guys, if, listen, you can email us if you need more recommendations, but I feel like we just gave you a list of like 20, 20 books because I'm really glad all these books are finally coming out. They're fantastic. Um, anything you think we missed or anything else people need to know about? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think, For once, I don't think there's a, a book club going out on overdrive at the moment. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast.
1: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com.